What's shaking, cats and kittens? I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is tattooer and artist. We have Tyler Brewer. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on today. I, finally, we have someone whose voice is like deeper than mine, and yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Oh, you romantic fool, you. I wouldn't say all that. <laughs> so I was I was going to throw in there um, Crab Daddy, but I was just asking what oh, you told no, me no. before. <laughs> I'll die before we can get to our second question. <laughs> so um, I, I gave that really brief and like super brief um, and, and like 30,000 foot view of what you do and what you're about. But yeah. obviously in looking at your work and the, the previous conversations that, that we've had, uh-huh. um, your work, your work is deeper than that. So for, for, for those who are uninitiated, describe what your work is about, what your tattooing is about and spend, spend it. All right. Well, I mean, like you had said, I'm a tattooer, of course. Um, To me, lately, tattooing has changed. This is my 16th year doing what I do. And I got to say, man, you know, it's a little kind of a little humbling. I have to humble myself to say it now, but I didn't start out on a good foot. Um, When I started tattooing, I started with little direction. I'd like to say that I did it the right way. I I took an apprenticeship. Um, I got under tattooers and paid a lot of attention. I got tattooed, you know, I did the things that one should do and learning this, but I don't feel that my head was in the right place. Uh, I kind of started backwards. You know, I was, I was young. I was excited. I wanted to get right in there and I skipped a lot of stuff. You know, I, uh, I started out, you know, wanting to just get that instant gratification of the tattoos. And I, I jumped on some bandwagons that were hot at the time and in tattooing, there's a lot of trends, you know, that'll come and go. Then at the style, at the time there was a style of tattooing that was popular. I mean, a lot of people will call it like new school. And I was on the last end of that wave, you know, that I got interested in that, but you know, I, I got interested in, in a style of art that doesn't really follow all the traditional basic rules of tattooing. And in that being young in my tattooing, I skipped a lot of the, the foundational basic stuff that's super important, unfortunately for myself. So it took me a lot of years, you know, to, to realize that and admit that to myself. And I encountered a couple of cats that kind of, if you, if you're familiar with the saying led by example in a way that kind of showed me that I wasn't cool. You know, I wasn't doing things the way that I was supposed to be doing them. And I can name a few names and it'd probably take me a while to name them all, but man, a local guy here, Chris Smith, um, I encountered Chris Smith, the tattooer, he's a Baltimore legend around here. And I, I was young, man. This was many years ago. I encountered him in Wheaton, Maryland, tattooing around him for a short time. And it was just something about the way that guy was doing things, you know, his work, the way he was selling his work, the way the clients would receive him. And man, I just, I saw this and I was like, man, I ain't got it. You know, I'm not doing this right. 
And then I'm not, not going to just harp on this one man's name, you know, but that's just one I can say that's local. You know, we're doing a Baltimore podcast. It's, sure. This is you know, a local Baltimore guy that everybody knows. And, you know, after feeling that way and seeing like, man, I, I don't think I got it figured out like I thought I did. You know, I started kind of looking back at what I skipped, you know, all of this, all of this, you know, basic foundational stuff, you know, and I started realizing, you know, I heard in, in my head, there was this, this old man that, that told me when I was learning a tattoo, keep it simple, stupid. And just one day I heard that shit pop up in my head, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And I was trying to do all these bells and whistles and go all in left field with my work for years. Yeah. And it was kind of kicking me, you know, coming back to bite me. It wasn't giving me my, you know, my, my desired results in my work. So lately, over the years, you know, guys like that, that I've described and influences like that have kind of told me and hearing that in my head, keep it simple, stupid, like go back to the basics. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on attempting to do with myself over the last several years of my work is try and throw all that fucking extra bells and whistles stuff out the window, you know, and, and look and, and observe yeah. what the older people before me did and how they did it. And, you know, there's a reason that they did it the way that they did it and, you know, cut all the bullshit out and just be, you know, keep it simple, make, make things readable, yeah. make things, you know, uh, make things in a way to where when they're 20 years old as well, this is something that wasn't important to me when I was young, but it's now, you know, something I'm trying to keep in my mind, you know, I want to design my work. So when I see it down the road, you know, say, I don't see you for five more years. I want that tat to look the same way, you know, as it did, you know, within reason five years ago when I did it, you know? Yeah. So a lot of my approach now is I think I'm at a point in my career where it's time for me to just kind of shut up, if you will, and be humble and look at how it's been done and try and focus on why it's been done that way for as long as it's been done. I think that's going to be the, uh, the place I need to be for quite some time from here out, you know, as an artist. Yeah. I understood on that. And I, and I think it is, it's good to come to that, that moment where that realization rather where you're like, all right, let, let me really take a step back and see what people have done and why they've done it that way. Because that ego, that ego will fuck you up. It'll, It'll be in your spot. And you're like, yeah, you're, 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 you're seeing your own results. You're seeing all of these different things. You're like, yeah, I'm great. I'm fantastic. And then people who are, are doing it and they're around, they know better. They're just like, yeah, just, just wait till you hit that speed bump. And it, it's the reason I, I think the, there's that notion. It's a, it's a tried and true thing. The whole kiss example, I right? keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's tried and true in that it's what got you into it. Those simpler things that before you put your own seasoning exactly and spin right. on it, that's the thing that got you into it. So you're that's exactly the thing that right. you're always going to go back to. Why I say you're exactly right on that statement you just made is I think back to the first tattoos, my memory, you know, mm-hmm. can pull up that I saw and they were these to the point and basic, you know, traditional designs that when I saw them as a child, they were 20 years old on grandpa or, you know, when I say grandpa, my grandfather didn't have any tattoos. Um, You would see them on the older guys, you know, and they were aged and they were haggard, you know, but you could still tell that was a fucking mermaid. Yeah. You could could still tell, you know, that's a ship, you know, that, and it looks good. I mean, it it looks fucking kind of cooler when it's 20 years old in that style, but I mean, that's it. You know, there's a reason why motherfuckers do things 
a classic is a classic for a reason. You do things in a certain approach for a reason, because like I said, you know, this guy, my first memory of a tattoo, I still could tell what it was. And it was older than, you know, older than most tattoos, you know, I've ever done. I've never even done a tattoo yet. That's that old in my career. My, my, I think that's why you're correct. You know, when you keep it simple and to the basic and, you know, do what you need to do to get the job done and, and, and making your designs and things, then things stand the test of time. There, there are, there are two tattoos that come to mind for me. Uh, one is pop culture related and one is uh, personal. The personal one would be my dad. Uh, he has a, um, a flag tattoo on his um, arm or what have you. And he recently did that thing that this other tattoo I'm going to reference did the uh, other person did. Um, you have that original tattoo. It is relatively simple. It's no color in it and all of that stuff. And it looks like it's like a stick poke. It's super old. It had to be done in the seventies or something. And, and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then like years later, he got like a bulldog because he's a a Marine or what have you. He has the bulldog tattoo and it's in full color, the whole thing. And I'm like, I like the other one better. And and the other, like the newer one is more vibrant and so on. But that other one had more, I guess relevance and more. I remember that growing up. It was or impact on you, right? So as the viewer, that tattoo impacted you more, right? And and both of them are kind of in the same vein of what what they're representing. And the other one that comes to mind is former idol of mine, uh, The Rock. It, he had that yeah. original Brahma Bull, and then when yeah. he did the update, and it's just like this big, high shaded, all of this stuff. It's like the other one was better. Yeah, yeah. Like this one is a lot more work and I appreciate all the hours that it took or whatever. The other one was better. It popped better. Yeah. Um, so for you, let, let's, let's speak on like your first tattoo. So the first tattoo that you did, what, what comes to mind on that one? And uh, what, 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 what was it in uh, what's memorable about it? If anything. So the question, so I'm making sure we're on the same page as the first one I performed on someone else yes. or the first one I got. First uh, one we, I, can, we can do both. <laughs> okay. Well, the first one I got is a funny story. When I was 13, you know, most of the time as a tattooer, when you see minors getting tattooed, they have to have parental consent. So what, what's going on is usually it's a design that they've come up with that mom and dad will agree to. Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily realistically what you, you want. It's what you can squeeze by with, you know, that they'll let you get when you're young like that. So my mentality was there. And unfortunately, we had a death in our family. My grandfather had passed away and his nickname was Pops. Everyone referred to him as Pops. So I, on the way home from his funeral for my own first tattoo, this is how I got it. And on the way home from his funeral, we lived in a really small town. And uh, on the way home, I just piped up from the backseat of the car like, hey, guys, like, why don't y'all let me get pop's name tattooed? And they were like, their first question, Nick, they say, you got the money. <laughs> I'm 13, you know, you got the money. And I'm like, yeah, I got the money. Uh, parents. <laughs> I got the money, you know, and they're like, well, we'll stop. Well, we were close to the shop. We'll stop and we'll sign the papers and shit, but we're leaving. Like we got shit. We're going to go do, you got to find your own way home. So it's a small town. That's not a big deal. You know, you know, I can walk home. So they come in they sign the paper. I'm fucking 13 years old and I pay the man and he fucking tattoos my back, you know, and, and I walk home. Oh, wow. <laughs> With the word pops P O P S, you know, oh. in between my shoulder blades, about three and a half, four inches in, in width there. And then I walked home. Now the first <laughs> tattoo I did is kind of another short, funny story. Yeah. I've got a cousin and there's two answers. If you ask me who taught me how to tattoo first off, I'd say my cousin, Kevin, he, uh, we spent some time together when our early, eh, late teens, early twenties, 
and he in the beginning of our time together bought a janky tattoo kit off of the internet now kevin mind you spent about eight years in federal penitentiary now that's where he learned the tattoo so when he got out he was like i'm gonna keep tattooing we started, I'm going to keep tattooing. I learned how to tattoo in jail. So we ordered, you know, quote unquote, professional tattoo equipment. He didn't get good stuff. You know, he didn't know any better. He'd been tattooing homemade tape deck, you know, motor machines and stuff in jail. Wow. So he orders what he thinks is good machines and, you know, some good pigments and none of it was any good. And he oh. starts tattooing myself and my friends. I'm still wearing some of these tattoos he did on me, you know, back then when we were children. But he lost interest after a while to keep this short. He, he did like a couple of months where he was like the hood superstar tattooing everybody, you know, and then he's like, whatever. And it just sits in a box in the corner of his room for a good month and a half. Yeah. So one day I'm at his house and I just pick it up and take it home with me. You know, I stole, <laughs> stole his gear for a while and I started tattooing and he comes to my house one day and he's I'm tattooing. And he's <laughs> like, you little bastard. Did you stole my tattoo gear? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's help. I'm having a hard time here, you know? So he starts kind of like helping me out. Yeah. And, you know, from there, you know, we were really close. You know, this sounds silly. He wasn't mad at me or anything, but, you know, I, in a nutshell, you know, I just picked this stuff up, took it home. And once he realized I had it, you know, he started talking that too with me a little, you know? So that, that, that got me started. But the day I brought that stuff home. Yeah. My friend, you know, from high school, we all called him Pinky. So we, we, we shortened it. We just call him Pink. You know, his, his name's Devin Sukup, a little, little silly guy, you know, from my childhood. And he wanted the Crimson Ghost. I think that might have been why I went and took the gear, because he said, if you get the machines, I'll let you do it. So I went to my cousin's house. I go get the machines and the Crimson Ghost, the, the punk band, the Misfits, mm -hmm. it's their logo with the skull, the negative space. Everyone's seen it. Super popular, you know, image in yeah. pop culture. But I tattooed this on this guy, but being a tattooer now and looking back on it, yeah. it this was super brutal. And I would never do this now because I didn't know what I was doing. Oh. And the only needles that we had were single needles and three liners. And this design is a heavy, solid black image. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it very large, but when I did it, all of that solid black, I did it with a single needle or a three liner, which to not know what I'm saying, that's very bad. Like I created hamburger meat on this man. Oh no. And I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was enthusiastic as they come, <laughs> but man, it was a disaster. And I created such a wound and he still has the tattoo to this day. He won't, he won't get it covered up. We've stayed friends from, you know, he's, he still lives in our hometown, but yeah. He won't cover the tattoo up. And every time I see it, when he sends me pictures of it, I put my head in my hands and like shake my head at how, how ignorant I was at the time, you know, but that was my first tattoo. My, my friend was like, I'll let you do the, the crimson ghost on me. If you go grab the machines from Kevin's house. So I went and kind of slinked out of the house and snuck <laughs> the machines and brought them to my house. And then I, you know, annihilated this crimson ghost tattoo. Bless his soul for letting me do that. You know? Yeah. So since, so like we, we'll have a couple of questions related to Baltimore. Um, Okay. Let's let's speak on some influences though. Um, who or what influences uh, your tattooing these days? The guys next to me these days. Yeah. The guys next to me, and we live in the age of information now. When I started tattooing, we still were. You know, it was the age of the internet. But I have more access to it now than I did then. If I was to say who's influencing me now, 
because before I was kind of fucked off and in some dumb direction in my early years in tattooing, you know, but I think about influences now, man, now it's the man next to me. Mm. And there's a lot of men next to me. Yeah. So, you know, whoever's to the right of me or whoever's to the left of me and whoever's, whoever's working and I'm there to observe, man, like I've come to a point in my career, like I tapped on earlier, it's time for me to shut the fuck up. And, and go back to school, you know, and, and that's kind of where I, I like to think that I'm at in my mind. Yeah. I'm around a lot of fucking well-established people in the industry for our local area here. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot more under their belt time-wise and accomplishment-wise. Their body of work is massive. Um, and just all around for a guy, you know, that wants to grow, you, you, you can't you can't do that well you know, having a lot to, to say, and I'm just doing the best that I can right now but to pay attention to everyone around me. You know, that's, who's influencing me. The guys I'm working with are great at both locations. I work at Bethesda tattoo and Bethesda, Maryland. I lost there. Man's a fucking wizard. He's been doing this stuff, you know, longer than I've been interested. Yeah. And I mean, he's making machines and I'm able fortunately to pick up information on making our tools, you know, with this guy, I'm fortunate enough that he'll, he'll even talk to me about this stuff, what bit he does. Um, He's a great tattooer. He's been around, like I said, longer than I've even been interested in getting tattooed. Uh, his shop is actually the age of my career, his current <laughs> shop. You know, he's been open, you know, the same amount of time I've even been doing this. Um, and I also work here in Baltimore, the Baltimore Tattoo Museum. In that place, I mean, I got I got a lot I could say about that that's positive. You know, um, right now it's, it's a, a large shop and it's been well established. So there's a lot of artists there. So, man, there's so many fucking heads and under this one roof that the, the amount of information that's there is, is it's overwhelming. You know, you can just within one day, you know, kind of fry out, if you will, like your electronics will fucking frizzle if you kind of take in too much, you know, because there's so much going on, you know, yeah. there's so many people doing their thing. You know, the way I learn personally, I'll stand, you know, stand and observe and see how a man does things, you know, and. Fuck! You pay too much attention around there. You're fucking short a circuit out. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a lot of stuff that that goes on, and I think it's important. And this is one of the questions I, I I would ask people on occasion of how important is it to be around other creatives, whether it be in your space or in a similar important. space. I don't I don't believe it to be important. I wouldn't use that word. I think it's essential. It's necessary. Yeah. It's the best way I can answer that question. You know, I, I don't put an importance on it. It's necessary. Like. Without that, I mean, I don't see where anyone can progress, you know, and go any further. I think you get something. I, I agree. I think you get something from it. And I think uh, looking at it as being essential, that is important. As I think you get something from it, whether, you know, I, I may go to someone who's not necessarily a podcaster or, or that's not in yeah. this audio space or whatever. I might just hang out with a chef and just yeah. see like how they put something together and then get hit with the Holy ghost, not the crimson ghost, but the Holy <laughs> ghost of creativity. And I'm like, Oh wow. Let me um, look at things from this perspective or what have you. And yeah. for me, it's this notion it's, it's cliche ish, but it's a notion they say in sports of iron sharpen iron. Yeah, it does. Well, for me, like when you say iron sharpens iron for myself, uh, before I say this, I'm probably the worst critic of myself. I'm less than a fan of anything I do. 
So I don't want to sound proud when I use the term you used and say iron sharpens iron, but kind of the motive when I'd said earlier, like it's time for me to just shut the fuck up, you know, and go back to school, if you will. And it has been for years, you know, I've been in that. That's where I need to be. But uh, I'm kind of in a position where I'd like to be the worst guy in the room. You know, as far as progressing my, my growth, I don't, I want to be the underling. I want to be the guy that I can pull information from everyone around me because they've been doing it longer or because they're better than me or because they're, you know, more fluent or more experienced or, you know, what have you, I, by no means, you know, uh, do I feel that I'm going to get the most growth out of myself if I'm it's a big fish in a little pond. Not yeah. that I've ever felt that way. I, like I said earlier, I'm not a fan of what I do at all. I'm just trying to stay alive, but <laughs> I dig it. But you know what I mean? Like I, the best place for me to be is where I'm the least impressive guy in the room, mm-hmm. because that means everyone around me, you know, is doing something better or doing something, you know, more efficiently or doing something that I don't know about. And then in that I get to observe and apply, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't get to go to college to learn how to tattoo. You get to make friends and you got to let people fucking bring you into their circle and, and let you observe what they're doing and you know what bit of information they're willing to share with you that's your education in this it's, it's a nudging thing where if you're in a place and, and I've, I've looked at that in the same way like i've always been in the kind of high achiever groups or what have you and you get i get that imposter syndrome and i'm like i probably suck i suck here i definitely suck here and i find that when people not to cut you off on okay. that when people praise something that I've done in my work. A lot of the time when I get the most likes on Instagram or I get my friends, like, I really liked that, that you did in my head. I'm self-conscious about it. There's somewhere or many somewhere is in there where I feel I fucked that off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's, you know, and, and I always look back at college where I came to this realization, I would do that weird self-talk thing because yeah. I'm like, I don't belong here. And then I would always try to prove it to myself, but it's based on, my kind of inner competition with these other people who are around me because I'm like, you guys are doing so well. And I have to know, I think what I've learned since then, it's like, I know that other people are doing the same thing that I am and they may look at me as that person. So we're kind of in a cyclical way, kind of driving each other to be better without actively putting it out there. Because I think that kind of competitive nature that even though it's subtle, that kind of competitive nature, that iron sharpens iron idea I think it's really sports oriented, but I think that's in the most alpha sense of it. Uh, someone's yeah. telling you directly, I need you to be better today. I need you to bring it all Yeah, you know, with, with the well, handshake and everything, by the way. That's, I, I, I kind of think that that's a great way to get growth. And that's the kind of people I, don't, I want in my life Absolutely. Um, myself. I mean, what fucking, what do you get out of complacency? You know, if everyone around you will allow you to be complacent and it's probably where you're going to stay. Yeah. Um, I always say I don't hang out with low tier people. I don't invest time in low tier people in that that way. I want to be able to like if I were to recommend someone to you, you may feel how you feel about your work. But I'm like, no, I know Tyler is fire. Let's you know, this is the guy you need to hit up. And that's the way I would go with it. It's almost that that stamp of approval. And I even try to do that in the nature of doing this podcast. I have a variety of people that I'll have on it. You know, yeah. some people who are emerging artists, some people who are seasoned artists, but I don't just have someone that's like, you're for the clout. 
it's like <laughs> I don't like your work. You know, I would I would have someone on. I would I don't like their work. You know, I think that this this new thing, the, the term cloud, this new thing that's important to folks these days that I'm finding this cloud is kind of weird. You know, it blows my mind. Like, what the fuck do I care about a bunch of fucking strangers' opinions of me? Why do why do I give it when I hear the word cloud? I'm hearing it in social media terms and yeah. things. Like, I, I don't really give a shit about what you know the strangers people have never met or probably never will meet think of me uh, if i want any kind of quote unquote clout which i don't even know if that's an appropriate term to use i think i would want the approval that's that's a more yeah. more you know reasonable term in my opinion i think i would want the approval of those who do what i do and more so those who've been doing it longer than me and whom I respect and look up to their work. I don't want anyone to tell me I'm cool and powder my little ass, but for <laughs> someone to give me that and that nod of respect, that that's so much more valuable than this clout that people are after these days. Fuck out of here with the opinions of a bunch of strangers. You know, I want my peers, you know, if they think I'm okay, yeah. I'm doing all right. You know, that's, that's the thing that matters is that acknowledgement from your peers. People do this thing where they say, I don't care about awards and so on. And I had an interview with um, DDM not long ago. And oh, my uh, such a big fan of DDM. <laughs> DDM mentioned the whole thing about like, like success is, is the Grammys. That, that's the way it's looked at. And that's literally your peers in that highest sense are saying you're good. You've made it. We're acknowledging what you do. And you know, with that, you know, for a musician, I bet that, that sounds right. You know, you know, yeah. those that do what you do are like, man, that was fucking cool. Yeah. That's what it's about, in my opinion. But fuck out of here with fucking <laughs> Tommy Joe and fucking Buddy Sue on Instagram fucking telling me I'm cool. I don't need that shit. I don't need the gas. Uh, oh, man. So I'm, I'm a young man, but I'm still too old for that shit. You know, like, but, I, well, <laughs> uh, so this is the last question I have um, before I get to shameless plugs. Cause you know, oh, okay. you always well, gotta do shameless plugs. I got no shame neither, baby boy. We can do this. <laughs> uh, so, um, what are a couple of things you enjoy doing when you're not tattooing folks? I'll tell you, man, you can see me, but the folks listening to the podcast can't. It's probably comical to hear me say this. If you can see me, you know, I've got half down my back and spider webs tattooed across a big portion of my face. But man, I love gardening. I absolutely love gardening. And it's a new thing for me, man. I started last summer. I was living in an apartment in Hyattsville before I moved here to Baltimore. And I went out to Home Depot and I got me a, a tomato plant. Yeah. And I nursed this tomato plant. And man, it was amazing. I just got so much joy out of it, you know. So now that I moved here, uh, I have a backyard. It's not not large, but I did what I can with what I got. And I got me a little garden going out back. And man, I'm all about this shit. It gives me more joy than I can imagine a hobby, you know, that I can remember for a long time. I got tomatoes out the ass. I got all <laughs> peppers, you know, crazy stuff out there. Brussels sprouts and it's wild. I got carrots and all that shit. But my friend was asking me, I got this buddy, you know, Braxton, not too long ago, was asking me about my plants. And he's known me for years. So, he, you know, he's kind of getting a kick out of man. You're, you're just getting into gardening all these like this is wild. You know, I never would have imagined you wouldn't be a gardener, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was talking to him with it and we were, we were in this conversation and, and I think I came up with like why I like it. Like I've, I've been kind of a high strung dude most of my life, you know, I had like a rough upbringing and shit. And, you know, so now in my, my later, I'm in, I'm 36 next month. So now in my mid thirties, you know, I'm starting to find different pieces, different joys in life that I wouldn't have expected, you know, in my younger life. 
I was telling Braxton, I was like, man, I've come to the realization. I don't think I'm out here taking care of plants. I, I think these fucking plants are taking care of me, of me, man. I think they're taking care of me because it's given me this fucking structure. Never have I gotten up at fucking eight o'clock in the morning and gotten fully dressed to go outside and fucking water a garden. And then I make sure I'm home at a certain time so I can do it again in the evening. And like, I, it's like, I'm listening to fucking like, like I can hear one of them fucking Wu-Tang clips or something in the back of my head talking about discipline or something, you know, one of yeah. the Shaolin monks or something, but it's just tomato plants, man. <laughs> That's my hobby lately, man. I'm all about it. I've stepped out of that. I'm in my house. I got like fly traps and carnivorous plants and fucking dwarf orange trees and dwarf olive trees all in my crib and shit. Like, I don't know where it came from, but out of the blue, I just went garden crazy. That's fantastic, actually. <laughs> I mean, doing something different or what have you, and you're growing something, um, growing several things. Um, and yes, that's 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 was unexpected, but that's dope. If you want a little peace and you want a little like zen, if you will, in yeah. your life, man, buy you a plant and keep it alive you know talk to it a little bit find out what kind of music it likes to listen to it goes a long way i I don't think um i don't think my plants like the trap music because uh yeah i have poisonous plants that are now dead and i i need to resort this i need to get uh sort things out i wake up and i'll go out and water them plants and the kind of music they want to hear I, when I'm in a good mood and we're out there, you know, and I'm watering them in the morning, I'll play a little music for them. But I've found they like country music of all things. When I was a young kid, my grandmother, she'd keep a garden and she would listen to Hank Williams yeah. while she was doing her gardening. So just in my mind, you know, and it came to mind while I was doing my gardening and I put on some Hank Williams, and I, you know, their feedback lets me know that's their preferred genre of music. I dig it. Right. So, in this last segment, again, I, I want to thank you. This is this has been fun. This has been a treat. Good way to start off the day because we're, we're doing yeah. this relatively early. Yeah, I need to. I got appointments later. I've got to go tattoo in Bethesda later on. So I dig it. That's why I wanted to move it down so I I don't have to take anything and move it on my calendar too much on no, my tattoo. It's all good. It's all good. Um, shameless plugs, website, social media, wherever, whatever, however, where can he find you? And again, thank you. Well, thank you as well for me. If if I didn't tap on it a little earlier, I'm not really big on social media and, you know, a lot of I don't have a website. My social media, the only one I personally use is Instagram. You can find me there at Tyler Brewer Tattooing, as in the act of tattooing. Um, outside of that, where to find me, man? I'm at the Baltimore Tattoo Museum Mondays and Tuesdays. You can get get with me for like appointments and things. You can just give us a ring. You can go on their email and send in inquiries with photo references and descriptions. You know, they're really responsive. We got a good guy there that takes care of all of that for us. Um, you'll probably hear back really shortly, you know, after inquiring. Um Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, you can find me in Bethesda, Maryland, and I'm working with James Hughes, Bethesda Tattoo. The same thing with that. If you want to get an appointment with me, then you can go uh, on their website, BethesdaTattoo.com. There you can either place your deposit and secure an appointment or inquire, or you can just give them a ring at their shop number as well. Um, if you want to shoot me just a message on Instagram at Tyler Brewer Tattooing, then I can kind of give you a ballpark estimate, let you know kind of whether I can do what you're after or, you know, give you some input. Yeah. But uh, from there, I'm not hard to find, man. So, yeah, uh, good shameless plug. Uh, so um, for for the talented Tyler Brewer, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 